everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here. I'm delighted today to interview Dr. Alistair Moss from the University of Leicester. And today we're talking all about coronary artery calcium scores and physical activity and exercise and the effect of exercise on coronary artery calcium. Alistair, along with a co-author, Dr. Golson, has recently written an editorial uh, in response to a paper which is called Physical Activity and the Progression of Coronary Artery Calcification. I hope you enjoy the discussion of that paper and the discussion more widely on coronary artery calcium and coronary artery disease risk. Enjoy the show. Maybe I can start with asking you to introduce yourself for the Heart Podcast audience. Thanks, James. Uh, so my name is Alistair Moss. I'm an academic clinical lecturer funded by the British Heart Foundation at the University of Leicester. And I've been here now for the past 12 months doing research predominantly in cardiovascular imaging. And Alistair, you've recently written an editorial uh, with one of your colleagues from the University of Leicester, Dr. Golson. Uh, your editorial is called The Coronary Artery Calcium Paradox and Physical Activity. And this was prompted by a really interesting original research paper uh, by Dr. Sung and colleagues, mainly from South Korea, um, who wrote a paper called Physical Activity and the Progression of Coronary Artery Calcification, which had some really interested and, to my mind, unexpected results. But uh, before we get into that paper, perhaps we can start off by you telling us a little bit about uh, where coronary artery calcium scoring sits at the moment, perhaps what it is, first of all, and what it's used for generally as far as the guidelines are concerned. Certainly. So the coronary artery calcium score is a non-contrast computed tomography scan that measures macro calcification along the course of the coronary arteries. It can be done without intravenous access, so it can be it doesn't require iodinated contrast, and it can be performed in patients with impaired renal function. From a guideline perspective, it is a test that's used to measure the burden of advanced calcified atherosclerosis where a score of 1 to 99 Agustin units represents subclinical atherosclerosis and a score of over 100 or more Agustin units is considered an appropriate threshold for starting medical therapy. And data from large non-randomized studies and subsequent meta-analyses have in influenced the guideline recommendations in both Europe and the US. And I think one of my favorite manuscripts in this field comes from Todd Blind's group in the US where they looked at the impact of statins on cardiovascular outcomes following a coronary artery calcium scan. They used a triple composite of myocardial infarction, stroke, and cardiovascular death. And they found that in patients with a coronary artery calcium score of greater than 100, the 10-year number needed to treat was only 12. And the ESE have stated in their guidelines that it, the coronary artery calcium score may be considered as a risk modifier alongside standard risk prediction models in asymptomatic individuals at either low or moderate risk. And this has received a class 2B recommendation with level of evidence B. And in the US, the Primary Prevention Cardiovascular Disease Guideline in 2019 states that coronary artery calcium scores can be used in their intermediate risk individuals. So that's those between 7.5 and 20% 10 year uh, CVD risk um, for the purpose of making a decision on statin therapy. And this comes with a 2A recommendation and it's level of evidence B from non randomized studies. And in the UK, I assume that things are similar, aren't they? That we, we tend to use this test in, in patients who are asymptomatic. And again, the reason is really to decide whether the patient is likely or not to benefit from statin therapy. Is that right? 
That's right. So we tend to use it on the background of the ESC guidance. Um, NICE haven't formally adopted it within their uh, uh, dyslipidemia or cardiovascular risk um, guidance um, as yet. Um, but it's something that, you know, there's obviously a growing body of evidence to potentially support using it in these individuals. And so let's move on to the paper by uh, Dr. Sung and, and colleagues. Can you tell us what the authors of that paper were setting out to do with their study? So in this manuscript published in Heart, Sung and colleagues address whether the progression of coronary artery calcium is associated with different levels of physical activity in asymptomatic, otherwise healthy individuals. There's been quite a lot of discussion of late around uh, extreme levels of exercise found in high-performance athletes and whether this accelerates coronary artery calcification. Can you have too much of a good thing? Well, Sung et al. asked the intriguing question, how does your current level of physical activity affect your future coronary artery calcium score? And um, how did they set out to do that? What, was the, what were the methods that they used? So they used a large cohort derived from two South Korean hospitals. That was almost 25,500 participants who underwent serial measurement of coronary artery calcium score obtained over a median of three years. This was compared with a self-administered physical activity questionnaire, which graded weekly physical activity into three classes, those who were inactive, those who were moderately active, and those who had health-enhancing physical activity. And the latter category is similar to the level of exercise endorsed by most international guidelines. Okay. And um, so they were trying to see whether the level, so self-reported exercise, first of all, and I guess that's important to, to note, uh, and only tested or only measured at one point, right? Only measured at the beginning of the study. I think the, the, the participants were asked once during the study, what's your level of weekly exercise? Okay. And then, as you say, uh, repeated measures of calcium throughout the uh, throughout the study. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So they it was it was really looking at their their baseline level of activity. Yeah. And then they have a quite a sophisticated screening program over in South Korea where they bring people back either annually or biannually for repeated measures where they do a cardiovascular risk assessment. And one of the things that they also do as part of that is a CT calcium scan, and that's what they explored with within this cohort. Okay. And can you summarize the, the main results of the study? They made two key observations. First, in those who had a coronary artery calcium score of zero, and that's a low risk group from a cardiovascular disease perspective in the primary prevention setting, medically recommended levels of physical activity did not accelerate the rate of coronary artery calcium progression modeled at five years. The adjusted difference in mean coronary artery calcium score was uh, 0.32 Agustin units with a 95 confidence interval of uh, minus 0.15 to 0.81. However, and I think this is the intriguing result, in those who have subclinical or more advanced atherosclerosis, health enhancing physical activity significantly increased the burden of calcium, calcified plaque when compared with inactive individuals. The adjusted difference in mean coronary artery calcium score in this group was 15 Agustin units with a 95% confidence interval of 0.56 to 29.5. Okay, so they're, what they're saying is if you had a calcium score of zero at the beginning of the study, doing intense levels of exercise, so around 150 minutes per week at least, was fine. It didn't seem to accelerate your calcium score unduly. But if you had anything more than zero, is that correct? 
then you were at higher risk uh, with high intensity exercise of accelerating your degree of calcification. Have I got that right? Yes. Yeah, so having more calcium led to more calcium. Yeah. Um, they they s- did a, a stratified analysis in uh, those who had a calcium score of zero at baseline, and they compared inactive individuals um, with the moderately active and the the more vigorous exercise groups. And when they did hazard ratio assessments, they found actually that the risk of developing any coronary artery calcification increased in those who were moderately active to 1.04 with a hazard ratio. And in those who were doing the more vigorous exercise, it was 1.21. So the authors concluded that there was a graded association between physical activity and the prevalence and the progression of calcium scores. Um, And that both clinicians and physicians need to bear this in mind when they've got patients who they're doing serial calcium scores on and they're engaging in physical activity. So I think having reread the paper again today, what they're also not saying, they're not disputing, are they, the the very well-known beneficial effects of exercise on cardiovascular events, cardiovascular mortality, total mortality, and many, many other areas. So they're not saying that at all, are they? What they're saying is, you should, in active individuals, you should be aware that high degrees of exercise might accelerate uh, coronary artery calcification progression. Is that correct? Yes, and I think we've seen this before with um, other forms of treatment as well. So this uh, brings about the phenomenon known as the coronary artery calcium paradox. And this is where you um, can do an assessment of someone's coronary artery calcification um, at baseline and then potentially give them some treatment for the heart artery disease. And the most common one that we've observed is with uh, high intensity statins. And we actually find out that there's a greater accumulation of calcified plaque when you go onto a statin compared with those who don't. Um, And it's a bit like that with what we're seeing with this sort of data here, that you've got people who are doing more vigorous exercise and we're seeing an increase in the amount of calcium. the reason this is slight, uh, a paradox is because obviously the calcified plaque um, is considered to be a barometer of a car- the cardiovascular risk. And there's lots of data now associating the high burden of coronary artery calcification, the accelerated progression of coronary artery calcification with a future risk of a um, myocardial infarction. And so you'd expect that if you have a high burden of coronary artery calcification, the intervention would potentially either reduce or even stop the progression of calcified plaque if it's going to lower their risk. And yet with statins, and also now, as we've seen here with exercise, it doesn't appear to do that. So what do you think is going on then? What explanation uh, or explanations might there be for for what we're seeing in this paper and also papers with statins, as you mentioned? Well, I think we need to delve a bit more deeper into what they did within the study. So within this group, there were... um, the three groups that have been described, those with inactivity, those with moderate activity, and those with vigorous uh, levels of activity. And actually the baseline level of coronary artery calcification was different between all three. So the advanced plaque, that's a calcium score of greater than 100 Agustin units, was noted in 2.8% of inactive individuals, 3.5% of moderately active individuals, and it was actually found in 5% of those who were doing the most vigorous activity. And data from studies such as the Heinz-Nixdorf recall study have clearly shown that actually the trajectory of plaque calcification is exponentially related to the results that you find on your baseline scan. So 
progression is almost inevitable and it's only actually marginally influenced by the control of your traditional risk factors. So the small differences that we've observed between groups at baseline by in the study performed by Sun et al will actually be amplified over that five-year follow-up period. And it almost would have happened whatever you'd done as you say. Yes and there's also this this other paradigm which we've um, come across with uh, some of the more recent like coronary CT studies where we can delve into the plaque morphology a bit more. Mm. And we now understand that you know, the progression of calcified plaque doesn't always equate to accelerated rates of total atherosclerotic plaque uh, accumulation. And it was in the Paradigm CT study, which is, is a really fantastic study, which dissects out the temporal changes of these different plaque phenotypes in response to statin therapy. And they had a cohort of just over 1,200 patients, and it was recruited from seven countries, including South Korea. And so it's probably relevant to the discussion here. And they found that the volume of calcified plaque increased in the statin-taking patients versus the statin-naive patients. However, the overall trend in those taking the statin was towards slower rates of total plaque progression. And this was driven by lower rates of non-calcified plaque accumulation. So it may be actually that the target that we need to look for is the non-calcified plaque rather than the calcified plaque. And because of the method that Sung et al. used, we can't know what's happening to the non-calcified plaque in these patients, unfortunately. Because, of course, that's not visible on a, on a, a calcium scoring scan, as the name yeah. suggests. Yeah, okay. So um, how should we interpret these results? And, and you, you seem to suggest that this paradox or paradoxical result was actually expected. Um, and finally, can you reassure us that exercise isn't bad for us? So we are seeing quite a lot of um, data that's building up to suggest that increasing rates of calcification with coronary arteries is a phenomenon that's observed both in response to you know, effective treatments like statin therapy, like exercise. Um, but it shouldn't necessarily be regarded that you know, serial imaging with calcium scans is the way to accurately assess risk in these sort of individuals. And clearly, exercise is one of the best ways of trying to control your cardiovascular risk in asymptomatic individuals. As you know, I'd, as a participant who would all, almost be approaching the criteria for entry into this study, you know, I'm I'm keen to do as much exercise as possible. I'll be I'll be going for my run at the end of the podcast, James. That's good to hear. Very good to hear. Um, and finally, just because of your expertise in this area, Alistair, perhaps wide, more widely outside this uh, particular paper. Well, where would you say the missing pieces of the coronary artery calcium puzzle lie? Um, are there areas which are still sort of free of, of good evidence to guide us? Any studies in progress to address some of those areas that you're aware of? There is some evidence accumulating now that it's the burden of non-calcified plaque, which is the target of interest rather than it being the calcified plaque. And we've seen this with a um, sub-analysis of the Scott Heart datasets. Um, which was published uh, in 2020, where it was the non-calcified plaque, or more specifically, the, the low attenuation non-calcified plaque, which conferred over a five-fold increase in cardiovascular events compared to those who didn't have that plaque morphology type. And those non-calcified plaques are the ones that contain these necrotic cores, which have an increased propensity to rupture. We've also conducted um, some studies using uh, molecular imaging and one that came out recently was a plaque progression study using the radiotracer sodium fluoride, where you can actually track to see what happens within these, these non-calcified plaques. And in the ones that have the 
uh, fluoride found within them, and this is a marker of microcalcification, you find over a 12 month period that actually tend to build up more calcium in those that have these small microcrystals of calcium within them than those that don't. And so not all plaques are destined towards the same fate. And we've now actually got imaging tools that can pick out those that are on that progression towards you know, these larger sheets of mal uh, calcification. I guess the question is, at what point are you at your most risk of having your event? Um, and that's something we've obviously tried really hard as clinicians to address. You know, where, what can we do to identify the vulnerable plaque? And there's a prospective observational study ongoing called the PREFER study, which is using this type of molecular imaging technique to determine whether the patients who have this high tracer uptake will go on to get events earlier. And this may be something that may be uh, relevant to patients with, with lower disease burdens, but these higher risk plaque morphologies. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, uh, Alistair, for your time. It's been great to talk to you. And I will make your editorial plus the original manuscript free for listeners uh, and readers of heart to enjoy, uh, if they're not already free and open access. And uh, I encourage everybody to go and have a look and digest both pieces of information there. Thanks very much, Alistair. Thanks, James. Thank you.